opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, I'm Brian McCallan. Before we get into today's show, I have an announcement to make. I've been asked by former guest and California Council of the Blind, first vice president, Frank Welty, to announce CCB's upcoming 6th annual Muttstrut. The very fun event will be filled with running, walking, entertainment, food, presentations, exhibitors, and the opportunity to mix and mingle with guide dogs. The Muttstrut will be on Saturday, November 19th at Crescenta Valley Park in La Crescenta, California. For more information on the Muttstrut, how to register and support Frank and his team and win a fabulous prize, go to speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. Just click on list of episodes and show news. Now back to today's Speaking Out for the Blind show. This is Speaking Out's very first holiday episode. How exciting is that? We're covering accessible holiday cooking today, and here are some questions. How do blind people make those juicy holiday turkeys and hams? How do visually impaired individuals decorate their holiday table and pour that delicious eggnog into a glass without spilling? What are some accessible cooking tools that are available for the blind? Are there any large print cookbooks? Joining us to answer these questions is Sydney Ferrario. She's the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired, San Francisco's cooking instructor. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, Sydney. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be here. I'm really excited, and this is perfect timing. I myself am making my Thanksgiving shopping list right this week. Awesome. We like to get to know you first. I know it sounds obvious, but what do you do as the Lighthouse's cooking instructor, and how did you speak out to get the job? Well, Brian, I myself um, have RP, retinitis pigmentosa, so I came to the Lighthouse initially as a student and a client, began my journey with orientation and mobility, and uh, along with that came about 12 to 15 years of cooking experience and background, and I'm really passionate about great food, healthy food, and cooking for people I love, so I would naturally just embrace the opportunity for some on-the-job training to take what has been previously more of a hobby and a pastime into a real uh, career and reality, which is just really exciting. I'm thrilled. And now you get to work for the lighthouse and cook. Oh, now time for some food. Let's get (laughs) to the appetizers. What are some of the best appetizers for the visually impaired to buy and make this holiday season? Well, you know, really the same as anyone else. I, I think you have to follow your own your own tastes and the needs of your guests, paying attention to whether or not they have allergies or special dietary issues. And really, keep it simple is my motto. If you're hosting a gathering it, and you really want to highlight the meal, then keep the appetizers simple. It's just a time for people to gather and chit-chat, mingle, get to know each other, and relax. And you don't want to be a frazzled host or hostess. So I really love a simple cheese platter, maybe uh, some olives and uh, nuts or fruit, depending on how long people are going to stick around. 
I mean, that's really my favorite. We first got to learn kitchen safety. What are some of the best tips that you have for the blind who want to cook safely and not cut their fingers with those dangerously sharp knives and burn their hands on the hot stoves and ovens? You know, uh, Brian, those are some really great questions, and those are the kinds of things that we tackle here in the Lighthouse Training Kitchen. And we spend weeks honing these strategies, creating consistent habits and patterns with safety in mind, and it's really about being organized. I find that a lot of people just really need to get organized, um, along with some strategies about putting things out in place, putting things where you're going to use them, and mindfulness while you're in the kitchen, always. Absolutely. Um, one other food safety issue might be food freshness. It's really hard for the blind and visually impaired to read and find those expiration dates on some of the cartons and packages. Explain this issue and how our listeners can solve it. You know, it is hard, and I, I have experienced that frustration myself, so I really identify with those challenges. When we collaborate in the Lighthouse Kitchen, you know, we have groups, a group setting, and folks come and share their insight and specific tools that they've come across. We share resources, ideas, and we have all the fun stuff to try out and experiment and find what works for you. Folks come in with a varying degree of vision uh, and a varying degree of experience and knowledge in, in cooking. So we really want to meet people where they're at. It's very similar to O&M training, for example. I ask each student before we start, you know, where are you now and where do you want to go? And then I help them get there with a variety of resources and, and, and maybe some gadgets. You know, there are some really great things. We're lucky to have a well-equipped kitchen. So we use um, knife skill practice. We use um, consistency. We access recipes and interpret recipes and practice trusting our senses. And most people are surprised how how easy it is. Um, and they've overcome a lot of fears and trepidation about getting in the kitchen and picking up a knife. So for example, we want to practice consistently placing that knife in the same place on the cutting board every single time. And that's just a good habit to get into, sighted or not. Trust me, many sighted cooks and chefs cut themselves. Why? Because they're very distracted and they're unorganized. So we, we, we tackle those things as well and practice, practice, really. Now you speak about this organized kitchen and adaptations because Lighthouse International, I was looking at one of their pages on the web and it gives some of the important adaptations one of which you sort of mentioned, but the steps include developing a system for knowing where the ingredients and utensils are stored, labeling appliances and containers, and with the braille and large print markings, and knowing your lighting needs too, and using all of your senses, even using the same color cutting board and food. Explain these steps to our listeners. Wow, that's that's a long list. Um... Gosh, you know, that those are exactly the things that we tackle in our six and eight day sessions of classes. We strategize, we collect resources, um, and try things out like hmm, labeling might include a Braille labeler or large print labels. It might include something some of your listeners might have heard before, a pen friend where you can record your own voice 
and put that on a sticker, transfer that sticker. And maybe that sticker is your, when you bought the item, right? So then you have your own voice telling you the expiration date or your purchase date. Um, there might be tactile reminders like rubber bands or bump dots. You know, it's really what works for people based on their individual situation, which we can assess here. We do a thorough assessment of folks' uh, vision, um, their mobility, uh, their tactile skills, and then we go from there. Um, All right, now we got to get started cooking. How do our listeners use the timer to heat the foods, keep the cabinet doors fully open and closed, divide the measuring cups? How about those things? You know, we, we use timers, I think, like everyone else. I mean, we've got a variety here at the kitchen that folks can try, everything from tactile to uh, braille uh, timers to talking timers. And, you know, my new best friend is my smartphone. And I use my my smartphone for timing, and I'm finding that more and more folks are coming in the kitchen, and they're already tech savvy. They're already using their smartphones for things like this, and so we are developing and honing those those skills uh, in a variety of ways. Storing how you store things in your kitchen again, it comes back to organization, and I feel that organization starts in the mind, and if you can. Put things where you use them. If you can separate like with like, keeping those together. Um, if you can purge and pare down to the very basics and, and find, you know, whatever works for you, whether it's bins or boxes or bags to kind of help with separating. Nobody wants to rummage through a junk drawer endlessly and being frustrated. I mean, nobody wants that. So. Again, it's that separation of things, and I like to keep sharp things like peelers and uh, maybe grapefruit knives or graters and microplanes. I keep those in a big Ziploc baggie so that I don't reach in, uh, but I think that's just a kind of a common sense issue. And, and um, we use trays so things don't roll around. I use uh, bins in the fridge so things don't get pushed to the back. Uh, to be lost forever. Um, and we use a, a principle that is a common principle in a commercial kitchen called FIFO, which stands for first in, first out. It's a great way to put your new items in the back and use the ones you bought earlier first. Really great for um, rotating and food safety. All right, you're making me very hungry, Sydney. <laughs> Let's get back to making that holiday food. Now okay. for the entrees. What does it take to make that juicy Thanksgiving turkey, that moist Christmas ham, and those piping hot potatoes and stuffing, and even, yes, the delicious green bean casserole? <laughs> those are some classic dishes, aren't they? Those br br bring, they are. me, bring me back to my childhood. Um, yeah, uh, you know, really, I think this, again, you have to think about your own. You have to be a good judge of your own skill level and your own comfort level. And the size of your kitchen and your oven. I mean, how much can you really tackle comfortably? So have set some realistic goals. Maybe you just cook the turkey and your friends bring the side dishes. Maybe you order your turkey and you just cook the sides. I think you have to spend a little bit of time and spend a little time in reality and think about how much can I really tackle. If you're a new cook, that's a lot to do on your own. And again, I don't recommend trying a brand new recipe with all the pressure of, of guests. Keep it simple. 
um, experiment early on if you want to try a new recipe and and give it a shot first, like that dress rehearsal. But basically, you know, cooking that juicy turkey is is easier than it sounds. I mean, I was on the Butterball website yesterday. I mean, who doesn't know about the Butterball Turkey Hotline, right? <laughs> well, they're, they're still doing that. And their website is extremely accessible. And I got to hear all of the instructions step by step with my Zoom text and my voiceover technology, the cooking times and chart with regard to cooking times per pound um, is all easily understood. It's all accessible. And there's a, one of my um, resources is a simple gadget. I've been using it for years. It's easy to find and it's cheap and it's called the turkey button. And if you haven't heard of it, it you stick it in the breast of your turkey and it pops out when the turkey's done. So you can grab some kind of heat-proof utensil. You can check that when you think you're getting close. See if that thing has popped out of the turkey. And I have had perfect results using that for years. And that, the and other that thing, checks the temperature of the turkey, right? It really it does. And the other one is, you know, we have here uh, talking food thermometers. And uh, and I've had a nice, uh, I don't want to give away brand names, but there's a really nice couple of large print display meat thermometers uh, that I've used. And those are available at some of your houseware stores or online at Amazon. And, you know, find the way that works for you. Try it out before the big day. Um, but you want that turkey in the thigh. You want that meat thermometer buried deep in the thigh uh, at the thickest part. And you want it to read 165 degrees. And then you need that turkey to sit out on the counter for about a half an hour before you have, you know, have to do any cutting or slicing. You want to let that rest. That's the perfect time to wrap up all your loose ends in the kitchen. Um, you know, throw together your salad, uh, whip up those mashed potatoes, and get everything on the uh, buffet table at one time. Let's talk about pies. How about pumpkin and apple pies? My family loves to have these over the holiday. We keep them simple. For instance, for the pumpkin pie that we make on Thanksgiving, we use a can of pumpkin and a ready-made pie crust, one of those Pillsbury ones. Um, how do our cooks make these delicious pumpkin pies and desserts with ingredients from scratch? How? By following a recipe, just like everyone else, you know, and there's so many great recipes out there. You can try, you know, a regular standard pumpkin pie. I think the recipe's on the back of the can um, or on a website. Uh, you can get a, a tried and true trusted family recipe, maybe that's been handed down through the generations. Um, and then, you know, decide again, how much time do you have? How much oven space do you have? And how much fridge space do you have? But yes, do not forget the desserts. That's a great way to finish off a, a great meal. And make sure you have plenty of leftovers. <laughs> Absolutely. What about Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and even the New Year? How do our listeners make sure, make some of the, some of the best foods for these holidays? Well, you know, those kind of speak to specific cultures and ethnicities. And I, I love the idea of a potluck where people, you bring people together, have a great uh, gathering, honoring and celebrating all the traditions and all the cultures and sharing these great recipes um, and, and, you know, and just inviting people in with these different ideas. You know, one of our family favorites at New Year's is uh, my mom's classic crab dip. And that is a recipe that we share, we hand it down. And, you know, some holidays just aren't the same with those great family recipes. 
So that's a good way to go, too. And the crab season has just started here in California. Absolutely. As long as you buy the right crab, if you want to buy the store-bought crab dip, that works too, right? Sure. I mean, you know, but, you know, a great great cook uh, and great cooking is not just about the food, but it's about techniques and being able to follow a recipe. But sometimes it's about picking up the phone, making reservations, you know, or sometimes it's about, hey, what kind of yummy treats are at the store where I can save some time and enjoy being around my family? Whatever works for individuals is definitely the way to go. All right. All this sounds delish. How do our listeners serve items that involve pouring hot and cold water, cola, coffee, hot apple cider, even hot chocolate into the right cups without spilling it on themselves or their holiday party guests? Oh, goodness. Well, we don't want that to happen. And I'm sure that folks who can pour for themselves can pour for others. Um, You know, but at a big gathering where it's crowded and there's a lot of movement and a lot of people on their feet. And if I'm a busy host for a party, often I designate that to somebody because a lot of folks come in and they say, how can I help? I say, guess what? You're bartending. (laughs) And there's all the drinks over there in the corner. What I don't do is put them in the kitchen because we want to try to keep the traffic out of the kitchen. Uh, Oftentimes in California here, it's nice and sunny on Thanksgiving. A great place to put the drinks is outside. If there is a spill from anybody, then it's easy to clean up. So that's that's one of my pro tips there for beverages. (laughs) Now, we're going to talk about presentation here because when our listeners' family and friends come over for holiday dinner, they expect to find a nicely set table. How do our listeners set the table just right for their guests? Well, you know, I think formality is such a personal thing. The the degree of formality that you want to present for any gathering is really a sign of the host or hostess's personality. And if that person feels strongly about having a formal table setting, I do that the night before. And sometimes I do do that. Uh, take your t- If you want to take your time, you know, get rid of those goblets and maybe opt for some stemless barware. That's a great option to kind of keep things uncluttered. Um, Or, you know, maybe a buffet is more comfortable, you know, where you just put all the dishes out and let folks help themselves. And in that case, you can stack the plates up at one end, put the silverware in a caddy or a basket at the other end. And honestly, Brian, I think the larger the gathering, the more casual it should be because people are much more comfortable that way. Um, Basically, we just set the table like anybody else. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> on the left no forks on yeah. right. oh no left right <laughs> i'd have to check my martha stewart handbook to find out where that dessert fork goes <laughs> what should our listeners do when, when they're going to go shop for all this stuff what should they do in terms of looking for the right foods while shopping at the supermarket or even online you know that's a great option and th- there are so many really i mean Uh, These days, you can get so much delivered, and it's such a time saver. That's a really hot trend right now is food delivery, whether you're getting meal service with ingredients and recipes that you throw together or whether you're getting uh, produce or – you know, all or non-perishables, you know, everybody from Amazon to Blue Apron to Instacart is jumping on the delivery bandwagon. And that's a really great way to go. Sometimes you just have to go down to your local market and get that fresh produce when you need it. Sometimes you have to be spontaneous. <laughs> How about cookbooks? 
Where and how can our listeners buy large print and braille cookbooks and make some holiday food that's featured in them? Or are there some good online recipe sites to use? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are large print cookbooks available at your library. There's large print cookbooks available on Amazon. Really reasonable. You can even preview the book on Amazon. And you can find them in not only printed, but Audible format, Kindle format, you know, whatever, whatever format you want. You can even filter your search criteria based on the format of your choosing. I recently saw the top 100 large print recipes cookbook on Amazon, reasonably priced, delivered to your door. I mean, you can't beat that. Or Bard. I'm sure many listeners are familiar with the Talking Book Library and the Bard service. You can download Audible format to your smartphone or your Victor Reader. You can go online and check out Yes Chef, which is a an app for your phone, and Yes Chef will search recipes for you, read all of your search results, read your ingredients, and read the entire recipe, and it'll allow you to save that recipe. Uh, it will give you prompts as to what kinds of questions you can ask the app, and you don't need to have voiceover on to use Yes Chef. Uh, the other great app I have on my phone is Yumly, Y-U-M-M-L-Y. That's a fun one. Uh, bon Appetit will email you recipes, more recipes than you could ever use, but you can certainly peruse them if you uh, uh, want to get hungry <laughs> in a hurry. You know, I say my other tip on this is really kind of decide what kind of cook you are. What is your cooking style? Before you just randomly start collecting cookbooks, really decide, you know, are you cooking for one? Are you cooking for a family? Are you on a budget? Do you want to keep it simple with shortcuts or do you want those complicated, lengthy, detailed instructions? Just depends on your own personal style. All right. So how do our listeners learn more about how to cook for the holidays and get in touch with you? I am more than happy, Brian, to be a resource for folks in any area with regard to food or cooking or even holiday questions now and beyond. And please feel free to contact me at the Lighthouse for the Visually Impaired and Blind here in San Francisco at 1155 Market. Um, I would love to make myself available anytime as a resource. I'm happy to help. Okay, so if you could provide your email address and maybe phone number, um, that that would be great. I'm going to put that on the Speaking Out for the Blind website if it's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, let's see. We'll, it's, we'll just give it I out on air first. Should we do that? I don't normally email myself. so okay. <laughs> I am S. Ferrario at lighthouse-sf.org. And my phone number is 415-694-7612. All right. That's great. Anything uh, else you'd like to add? Just enjoy the holidays, everyone. Really, truly. Happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays. Yep. And happy holidays to you, Sydney. And you gave some of the best holiday cooking tips for the blind to serve up that scrumptious holiday meal for family and friends. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Happy cooking. Happy cooking to you, too, <laughs> and to the listeners. And before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. 
Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out! Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hey everybody, this is Tyler Uronic, the host of the Knock on Corn Show, and I'd like to invite you to a grand party. It's time to celebrate my 100th show. It's on Friday, November 18th, from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Mark your calendars for November 18th. Don't miss the 100th show, celebrating my happy six years in radio. Right here on ACB Radio Interactive. Yee-hoo! The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. You're connected to ACB Radio Mainstream. ACB Radio Mainstream. The talk of the blind community. ACB Radio.